What's up, principals, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal. I'm your host. And this is the podcast that's all about principalships and principaling and leadership because uh, that's what we do. And uh, today's guest, every guest is special. Today's guest is, is just special to me for a few different reasons, and we're going to get into that. But I'm so excited to welcome Gerald Shuttle to the podcast. Gerald, thanks for coming on, my man. I appreciate you, Adam. Appreciate you having me. Dude, Gerald, uh, for the people out there that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself. Tell us where you're from, where you work, what you do. Okay, so uh, I come from a family of educators. Both my parents were uh, uh, educators. My dad was an odd mechanics teacher. My mom was a uh, special ed teacher and a uh, uh, CTE teacher here in, in the school district I work in, Aldean Independent School District. So we're located in the northern part of Houston. Uh, we're kind of basically right next to Intercontinental. So if you fly into Intercontinental Airport, you're in Aldean. And so uh, we serve uh, approximately 70,000 students and uh, I've lived in Aldine uh, as a kid, now serving as a principal, and I've come up through the ranks. I was a paraprofessional, which was like a teacher's aide, um, and then teacher and coach, and then assistant principal, and now principal of the uh, disciplinary alternative placement uh, campus here in uh, Aldine. And so I serve students that uh, have been placed here for the disciplinary reason, and uh, they serve anywhere from 45 days to uh, 90 days. Uh, and so I've always dealt with behavior. Uh, even whenever I was a para, I was a uh, gap, uh, which is for gaining appropriate performance, but dealing with special ed, emotionally disturbed students. And uh, then I was a gap teacher. And then as an assistant principal, I was uh, the campus behavior coordinator and uh, dealing with behavior and uh, special ed students and just kids in general. And then I was the curriculum AP at our credit recovery campus uh, here in Aldine Hall Center for Education. Now it's been rebranded as uh, Hall, uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher the name now, but it's a Hall Success Academy, I believe. And uh, it serves our uh, credit recovery uh, students, kids that are behind on their graduation plans. So, uh, and then now I'm the principal at the DAEP. So I've dealt with behavior and kids that kind of have unique educational challenges, meeting their needs, and then giving them the support that they need to, to meet their graduation goals and uh, things like that. Man, there is so much that I just love about that. I, I've flown into the airport dozens and dozens of times, and I didn't realize that Aldine was right there. And that you're just that your dad was an auto shop teacher. That was my favorite class in high school, oh, wow. because you got to you got to start in the classroom and you would like watch a video or back then it was like these old manuals. Mm -hmm. And then you got to actually leave that classroom and go right out into the auto shop. And I don't mm -hmm. think enough classes are like that where you learn some of in the books and then you go, you go get your hands dirty and you know, yeah, biology is kind of like that. But I think just that concept is, uh, is so important. Now I got to ask you a real question. Are, are you, would you be considered like a good old boy in Aldine, I mean, you're from there, your parents, so, you're like para-teacher. Yeah. I mean, are you like a good old I mean, like Yeah, I, I would say, and this is, this is the good <laughs> thing, what you just said is perfect because one of the things that our new superintendent has done has really, uh, Dr. Goffney has 
broken out that that kind of that narrative of you're homegrown, you come up, and yes, we do have folks that have that same story. But she's bringing the talent. If you're if you're talented, it doesn't matter uh, what your ethnic uh, group you're from, what your uh, you know background is. If you're a good quality educator. Uh, she wants you in and she wants you to grow. And, uh, you know, she's given me tons of opportunities uh, to grow as a leader. And, you know, that's the the good thing that, uh, you know, having that breaking that system down mm-hmm. of, like you said, that homegrown kind of good old boy, you know, your parents were here, you grew up here type thing. You, you've got to uh, allow the people to grow and, and bring folks in to get good ideas going. Yeah, well, I can't wait. Next time I'm in Texas, I'm going to come by with my I know Gerald card and I'm just going to get doors open for me in Aldine. And, you know, we should probably change the name of good old boy, just like good old person. You know, I mean, yeah, I, no, I get I'm... what you're saying. You know, I mean, on the same page. But so, man, you've got, like you've come from parrot, a teacher, to vice principal, a principal. What would you tell somebody that is an aspiring leader? Maybe they're in the classroom or maybe they're, maybe they're in college. Let's say, you know, we go to, go to a university and people are like, well, tell us about kind of how you did it. Like, how did you do it all? I mean, obviously like you grew up, like you said, in a household of educators. I did as well. My dad taught for 35 years. So I grew up with it too. Um, he did not get into leadership, um, you know, principaling and I did what would you tell someone that wanted to, Hey, someday I think I want to do what you're doing. So I would say, don't, uh, don't wait for the opportunity, always be prepared for the opportunity. So when the opportunity presents itself, you can, you can move into that. And like, basically like whenever I was a para, I was, my actions said that I wanted to be a teacher. And so like, I would even, I would work harder. I would ask for feedback from uh, different teachers. I would gravitate towards the educators that were leaders on the campus, get their ideas, always being willing to help, step up, step out, take risk, um, you know, and then whenever I was a coach, yeah, I wanted to grow as a coach, but then I said, you know, I'm an educator first. Yeah, I love coaching and, and, and that, but I'm an educator before anything. And in Texas, you know, yeah, we love our football and, and everything, but you got to be, you're an educator first. And so uh, I made sure that whenever I was growing, I was building, building my capacity as an educator. So like being a gap teacher, I, I didn't want to get pigeonholed as just focusing on special ed. So I went and got other certifications. I went and got certified as a history teacher. I got certified as an ESL, uh, uh, English language learner uh, certification, so I could serve those students. I wanted to show that I was not just a one kind of once, you know, one kind of put in the box guy, I, I could do other things. And so I grew in that capacity. And then whenever I became an AP, I made sure that I did things to grow in my, my leadership, talking with other uh, assistant principals, talking with other principals and kind of growing. And yeah, I did. The beauty of it was I, I knew the system. I knew other leaders in the system because I grew up with it. And yeah, I had a mentor that opens doors and yeah, mentors, that's what they do. They give you advice and they open doors. But when that opportunity comes, don't make that other person that was a mentor or gave you that opportunity look bad. So I continued even with that support, I excelled even after uh, my mentor has left the district. He's, he's since passed on. 
uh, Mr. Ken Knipple, who's the campus is actually named after him now. I'm serving in the building uh, that my mentor, uh, you know, helped design, open up, and um, that's pretty special. It's it's been full circle. Yeah, that's really special. So, my first principalship, I had two uh, special education classes, and one of them was uh, ED, emotionally disturbed class, and I remember. I remember like we had our first staff meeting and I asked our teacher, Tom, I said, Hey, I'm going to do something different with our staff meetings. We're not going to have them in the library or the staff room. I want to have them in a classroom every month so people can get around. And I want to start in your classroom. And he said, you know, Adam, I don't know what to say because most of the teachers at this school, and it was an amazing school, hadn't really spent time in that classroom. And I think I feel that there's a gap in the inclusiveness of special education, alternative education with, even if you're like, you're like your own standalone campus and you know, everybody's got a little bit different flow, but making sure that we get other campuses to come walk your campus. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people on the importance of getting everybody together, no matter what kind of campus you are, what kind of class you are. And like, and what, what does that do for the school? So it's funny that you bring this up. So uh, during COVID, uh, my staff has actually due to low enrollment has been temporarily reassigned to traditional campuses. So I had a staff of 49 teachers and they have now uh, been branched out. I only have about uh, 12 teachers, uh, you know, here with me now and the rest are all across Aldine and uh, serving in different capacities, teaching capacities, but they're serving at different campuses. And, but while we were, whenever I became principal, I told my teachers, I said, I want us to be the standard. And so I said, we, we started making this campus, not just about behavior, that it's about academics, because if you're not serving that academic need along with that behavior need, you're setting that child up for failure. And so, you know, that that is something different. I think that a lot of times DAEPs and alternative placements, they just say, okay, we're going to focus on the behavior. But if you're not really trying to provide quality education to those uh, kids that you're serving, you're doing them a disservice and you're setting them up for failure. And so I, I set that standard and my team that I have here have embraced that. They've helped shape me. And, uh, you know, it's been a journey. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an easy journey, but it, it, it was like at first you get that initial pushback, but then once they realize like, look, this is benefiting us, this is making us shine uh, and grow, they were like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. And, and now that they've transitioned to traditional campuses, those traditional campuses are wanting my teachers because they've taught in a challenging environment where a reluctant learner every day is like, you better come with it. You better show me that you care about me. You better show me that you're passionate about education. Because if your why isn't strong enough here, you're not going to be able to figure out the how to get to where the kid needs to go. And so it's going to come through every time. That's this right. place, there, there's no way you can be a fraud at my campus. <laughs> all our kids are all our kids. And I think educators can sometimes forget that or like a special education placement or like an alternative is like, okay, gosh, man, you know, I've been going through a lot. Can, can you just take the kid and, you know, like, hey, no, it's still our student. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like yours and mine. So for people that are listening right now, 
little did you know that the man I'm talking to has been on the news many times. He's had articles written about him. And we had been connected, Gerald. And then I remember seeing a picture or article um, about a journey that, that you went on personally. And I called your school. Yes, and I, didn't, I didn't get you. I, le I left my number and you called me back. And then we talked, we talked and talked and talked. Man, tell the listeners about your about your running and your weight loss journey. Yeah, so when I became the principal of the DAEP, uh, you know, your first year in leadership or any new position, it's stressful. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things I was realizing was I wasn't managing uh, kind of that stress very well. And I was like, I've got to get my health under control because I tipped the scales at 397 pounds um, and uh, I was... Uh, 30, I think it was 2017. I think I was, uh, 30, I think I was 35, uh, at the time. And, uh, basically, uh, you know, I was like, this, this can't, I can't sustain this weight. There's no 80 year olds that are 397 pounds. And so I said, I've got to control. If I can't control anything, I can control my actions with this. So I started tracking everything I ate, uh, within that one year span from January to January, uh, you know, and actually I'll just be transparent. Uh, and I, I had a conversation with God cause I was like, basically I can't do it alone. I need some help. And, uh, you know, so by having that prayer, he answered my prayer. I started journaling everything. And that whole year, I just, I focused on my weight and I lost about a hundred pounds. And then, uh, well, close the story is not over people. It's yeah, it doesn't stop at hundred pounds. Keep going. And so, so then, uh, at 320, I said, okay, I want to do something big. And it was funny the the new, the new school year was starting up. And so I was like, okay, what can I, uh, what can I do to connect with my kids here? Because I serve all the whole district. So how can I connect? And so I said, okay, I want to do my long runs in the community I serve. And so our kids are big on, if you can talk about the neighborhood and you can talk about certain landmarks or things like that, you can connect with, with a kid. And so uh, basically I did, I said, I'm going to train for a marathon. I did the run walk method, but I started training in the Aldean community. And so on Saturdays, I do my long run and I was 320 pounds at that time. So then fast forward until uh, my, uh, uh, marathon, I got down to, I probably was about 275 pounds, I guess, uh, whenever I ran my first, uh, first marathon and, uh, did the run walk method, uh, did it in probably, uh, I can't remember the exact time, but it was well over six hours. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to say, hey, check that off the bucket list. I did it, but I did it in the community. And so whenever I talked with my kids, I could connect with corner stores. I could connect with churches. I knew that I know the streets forwards and backwards. I, there's not a place where I'm going to get lost because I've ran in the neighborhoods and I know where uh, where every campus is. We have 82 campuses in Aldine. I've ran at all of them. Uh, so then the following year, the year after that, after I ran my first marathon, I uh, I started doing uh, prayer runs at my campus uh, because I was like, I read uh, Mark Batterson's uh, The Circle Maker and it was about the power of prayer. And uh, so I decided to run seven circles around my campus uh, and uh, pray for my staff, pray for my students, pray for my community, my leaders in the district. 
And uh, then I said, okay, I want to now connect this to even more to Alden. I said, I'm gonna do prayer circles around every campus. So I went to every staff parking lot, ran seven circles in the staff parking lot, praying for the staff, praying for the everybody that touched that, that campus. And I did it at every uh, campus. So 82 campuses and Alden that year. And I got down uh, by September of 20, uh, 2019, I had gotten down to 230 pounds. And then uh, uh, in January, uh, the local news uh, outlet here, uh, ABC 13, ran a story uh, because Runner's World, uh, I submitted a story to Runner's World about my, my weight loss journey and my prayers uh, that I was connecting to running and everything. And uh, basically, they wanted to do a story on me. And so uh, they filmed the story in January. And then I said I wanted to do a perimeter run around Aldine. Well, just uh, Aldine's in a more urban. And so basically, the city, it doesn't always have sidewalks and spots. So like, I had a couple of buddies say like, look, man, you, you, you can't run the perimeter. I mean, <laughs> it's noble, but you're going to get clocked. Uh, you know, so I said, okay, We've got a great uh, trail uh, in the northern part of Harris County. It's called the Spring Creek Greenway Trail, and it runs from 45 all the way across uh, by the airport to 59. And it uh, out and back, it's 34 miles, so it was perfect. And so uh, I ran that uh, and raised scholarship money. And uh, Channel 13 filmed me not only here at my campus serving my kids. We were doing uh, restorative uh, circles with our students. And uh, we've been doing that now for two years. Uh, we do community building circles every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then, um, uh, you know, they got to film that and just talk about my runs. And then uh, we raised about close to $500 for scholarship money uh, to give to all these students. And then uh, they, I thought they were going to air it, but then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And so they sat on it and it was kind of cool because we started back in uh, this new, this new normal, and I hate using that term, but that's what it is uh, uh, in August, and they aired it, and then it just kind of went from there, and they're actually uh, coming back tomorrow to uh, do a segment on me because I'm doing the virtual Chevron uh, Houston Marathon. Uh, we're going to do that with my run group on uh, Champions Runners Association. We're going to do that on uh, January 17th, that Sunday. Man, you are a gift to education and just and just your community, my friend. And I think I saw the picture of you. I mean, 170 pounds you've lost. Is that about yeah, right? about yeah, give about, or take. Now I've gained okay. weight. COVID, man, it's it's like <laughs> I've gained weight back. So I, I and that's the other part is the maintaining is the <laughs> yeah. killer, man. They don't tell you about that. Yeah, well, yeah, no, you 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 figure out about that. But there's that picture of you at at 397, and then that one, you know, in your running gear. Mm -hmm. and, uh, man just uh it's just profound man that smile you just i mean you know just and, and i mean I, that brings me to you know that's if, if that's not enough man you got a you got a beautiful wife i think 15 years you guys have been married yeah yes sir you have some children too yes sir gerald how do you approach being a principal being a father being a husband uh, you know a brother a cousin an uncle a neighbor I don't, I don't really like the word balance because I think balance is a really hard, it, it's so, it's just hard to define. So I like to say, how do you approach that where you make sure that you have time for 
fathering and husbanding and church and running and, and all those things that, that are important to you in your life? Right. So number one, I, I'm going to tell you, Adam, I could not have done any of this without Misty. Mm-hmm. My wife, she is the one that has propelled me pretty much. I wouldn't be a principal if it hadn't been for Misty. She's the one that told me to go quit. What are you doing? Go get your master's. Uh, you know, I actually wouldn't have got my undergraduate degree if it hadn't <laughs> been for Misty. Misty told me, shout I'm out not to marry you unless you unless you have your degree. So those were like now with the balance, she, you know, she basically will help me out and say, Hey, you know, I got the kids for right now. You go get your run in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but the cool thing about this whole weight loss journey is we've incorporated the family. My girls mm-hmm. run, I've ran a 5k with the girls, uh, Misty, we're, we're me and my brother-in-laws, we're running a, a half marathon. We're going to run the Woodlands half, uh, together. We're all part of this run group together. Uh, you know, I'm still in it on finding the balance. Cause like, I don't think you ever, it's always a progression, uh, you know? And so like right now I'm reading, uh, Benjamin Hardy willpower doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he talks about setting up an environment, uh, to basically kind of like make yourself default to positive outcomes. And so I've just kind of, I'm still in the process of, of doing all that, you know, trying to figure out that happy balance, because I, I'm going to be honest with you, like everybody, this technology, you're, you're constantly uh, connected to your phone. You're constantly got work obligations. You're, it's a work in progress. But the one thing I can tell you that ke- has kept me grounded through this pandemic is journaling. I, I do it every morning now uh, since uh, I used to do it kind of in during uh, peak seasons in the church calendar. So during Lent, mm. during Advent, but now I've, I've started journaling and it's part of my morning routine. I get into my office. I come here right before bus duty. I say my prayers, I uh, reflect, I set my daily intentions for what I'm going to do for the day. And then I have my goals that I'm wanting to accomplish. And so by doing that repetition, it kind of, I'm planning myself for success for that day, but it's also making me realize what's important right now, um, you know, think keeping my family at the forefront, keeping, uh, you know, those problems and just kind of giving it up to, to God and saying, Hey man, I, I need help. Cause one thing I can tell you about serving at this campus, uh, if you don't believe this place will make you believe because you constantly see how he's working through me. He's working through my teachers. He's working through this community. He's working through the kids and they're teaching me every day, man. I, I learn something new every day. And, yeah. and I can tell you in these past four years, I've become a better human being by being the principal at this campus. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'd be, uh, if I hadn't started serving here. Yeah. I think I need to have Misty on the podcast to see, you know, no, I'm, I'm thinking like, Hey, to have the spouse, have the spouses of the principals interview my wife, you know, what is it, what is it like, you know, and my wife works full time, but what is it like to be married to Mm -hmm. someone with this type of, you know, demanding job? Because yeah, that, that, that family unit, man, I'm with you. It's a, it's just invaluable. If, If you were talking to principals, anywhere, what would be your top three pieces of advice that, that you would just give a building principal? It doesn't matter, you know, K, five, whatever, alternative ed, doesn't matter. What, what, what's your top three advice, Gerald? Top three advice. Number one, uh, don't freak out about a mistake. It's going to, uh, I actually got 
on my my wall. I've got a, a AP that that works with me, and we were talking, and it says everything will work out. It always does. Mm. And I start. We started using that as a mantra uh, because basically, a lot of times when we think it's something like a critical problem, really nine times out of ten, it's not that crucial, and it's it's going to be okay. Mm. You just got to work through the process. So don't freak out about the mistakes. Uh, you know, stay true to your, your core, you know, um, your core values, uh, serving kids, uh, serving your people. Uh, so when you build the strong relationships with the people you serve and the kids you serve, you're, you won't go wrong. And then the, the last thing is self-care. Make sure that you're honest with yourself. Make sure that you are doing something to recharge, whether it's running, whether it's prayer, something to uh to recharge you got to fill that well up because if you don't you're going to come up short with everybody that you deal with and it's just it's going to be obvious and there's there's been times this year that i've i've had to work through it and that's what that's what the, the kind of cool thing about this uh this pandemic is you, you i think there's leaders that are growing like exponentially it's, it's pretty awesome yeah no i couldn't agree more all right i got a hypothetical here the president calls you any president doesn't matter mm -hmm. who, which one the president right. of our country calls right. and, and they say, Gerald, I want you to come to Washington, DC. And I want you to be in charge of public education for our country. You are going to be the new secretary of education. What changes do you make? What are your priorities on that job? Priority number one is equity, making sure that all kids are served. We talk a good game. Um, across the country uh, where we talk about, uh, but there's problems in rural communities, there's problems in urban communities, there's problems with special ed, there's problems with 504. We're not serving all kids. Um, you know, that's, it's just uh, pretty prevalent. And the pandemic has kind of exposed a lot of that. We got a lot of families with uh, food insecurity. We got a lot of places that are food deserts. Uh, and, and uh, you know, your, your urban communities, your rural communities, and just, you know, kids' needs not being met. So we've got to figure out a way, how can we kind of knit that social safety net and really change the mindset of education being a cost to being an investment? Because somehow we've, we've lost that way. We don't view education in our, in our uh, country as an investment. And that's really what the biggest investments you can make is, is education. Uh, and that's the only way you're gonna grow uh, your electorate. You gotta have an educated electorate you're, that, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's just a need. So I, I would say just putting education first. I, I don't think uh, we've done that for a while now. Yeah, you got, you got my vote. You know, I feel like you are one of those people, Gerald, that's like my brother from like another mother. You know, we've never, we've never met in person, but I just feel that, I just feel that kindred spirit, man, whenever I kind of see you post on social media or if we, or if we're texting or we, or we talk on the phone, or if I'm lucky enough like this, just to record, to record a podcast with you, man. And I just want to give you the mic, man. What are your, uh, what are your closing thoughts? What would you like to tell people about, about leadership or just, you know, principling or life in general? Well, I, you know, I think that, that number one, this pandemic has taught me that, uh, you know, when you're down, uh, because I'm going to tell you this, this pandemic was something, uh, you know, when you're down, realize what are you learning in these, uh, these moments? 
how are you growing? Because uh, there's always there's always something that you can get, uh, whether it's in your peak or whether it's in your valley, you're going to gain some kind of knowledge and know that that nothing nothing's going to basically uh, your your bad situation is not going to last forever. But also always have that pursuit of wanting to get better. So don't just when you get in that position, whether it's lead teacher or whether it's uh, assistant principal or whether it's principal, don't be satisfied. Always have that mindset that you want to grow, find other people, find your tribe of people, whether it's within your district or whether it's outside your district. One thing that I can say is Twitter is where I found other educators outside my district and, it, and it's grown me exponentially. I mean, Adam, you and I connected. Uh, I've met so many quality educators and just people that uh, make me better. And that's what you have to do. If you want to be the best, uh, and you want to grow as a, as a leader, as an educator, you got to find people that are really pushing the boundaries because I'm going to tell you this, the first time I went to restorative uh, circle training was back in 2015. Now we're doing it with Fidelity here at my campus uh, in 2020. That was at the forefront in Texas. There's other places that have been doing restorative practices for a long time. Uh, try to always look for something that's on the forefront. So uh, that's the only way that we're going to get better as educators is not being stagnant. And I think, uh, you know, the pandemic has also exposed that, that education, we're, we're due for a revamp and, and uh, we're going to, we're going to be awesome and continue to grow. So. Well, my friend, it is an honor to know you and call you a friend and to have you on the podcast and just to help help amplify your story and what you're doing and what you've done and just excited for people to wait and see what you have yet to do because I know that there is bigger things coming down your way. So thank you for coming on everyone. Thank you for listening. Principals, leaders, thanks for all you do and hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. What's up everyone? Hey, before we go today, I got to give a shout out to NAESP and NASSP, the National Association of Elementary School Principals and the National Association of Secondary School Principals. If you are not a member of these national organizations, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I was a member of my state organization for years and I found that I got so much out of the national organization. They have conferences, they have webinars, they have so many different assets and tools for principals that are doing the job. NAESP.org and NASSP.org. Join up, sign up, connect with them on social media. You will not regret it. NAESP.org and NASSP.org are the national organizations for elementary and secondary school principals.